Thanks for joining me for today's show. This is the Simply Financial Podcast, and I'm your host, Christopher Calandra. This is episode number 24 of season four. It occurs to me in previous episodes that I have mentioned, at least in passing, an emergency fund. And today I wanted to talk exclusively about an emergency fund because in my opinion, in the opinion of the team here at Elliott Wealth Management Services, everyone needs a cash reserve, an emergency fund. The thing is, life is full of surprises. Some are good, some are not so good, and some are downright unpleasant. Unexpected expenses are often one of those unpleasant surprises. And the reality is financial emergencies can happen to anyone. And our belief here at Elliott Wealth Management Services, uh, my belief as a certified financial planner with over 28 years of experience, is that having a financial plan, striving to build wealth, to be smart with money, and to live beneath your means in and of itself is a key to being able to absorb these emergencies or at least absorb them better. I think to uh, several conversations I had with a close family member who really lives paycheck to paycheck, lives a very simple life, Um, doesn't ask much of anyone, doesn't have a lot of money, doesn't make a lot of money. He works just enough to accomplish what he needs to accomplish. It's very simple. And sometimes we've had some philosophical conversations because he is definitely not a dumb or ignorant man. And he looks at me and says, why do you do all this stuff? You know, I run businesses. I have a portfolio of property. Uh, you know, I invest a lot of time and energy on the personal side of things in terms of money and wealth. I don't think I'm consumed by money in an inappropriate way, but um, I'm very diligent about it. And my pushback to him was, listen, you have a very simple life until your car breaks down. Then you have a crisis. If a car breaks down for me, it's an inconvenience, but it's not a crisis. The sacrifice that he's making for that ongoing simplicity is that he's not really preparing for the future and if and when something happens and he has experienced this, he has no room to maneuver. He has no wealth to fall back on, no emergency fund. I find that to be an interesting philosophy. He feels like he's living a simple life. I don't know if I would describe my life as simple, but I think I'm in balance and I have peace in terms of my own personal relationship with money. Going back to the emergency fund, though, a key part of the financial plan, in our opinion, is to have an emergency fund, as I said already. It's a cash reserve that can help provide a critical safety net in times of need. So how much you need really depends on your personal situation. Conventional wisdom, which I largely agree with, is that you should have three to six months of expenses. Now, there are numerous factors that play into this. I don't think it's an automatic three or six months or anything in between. It's very individualized. And I know for myself, over the course of time, there have been instances where I wanted to have a greater emergency fund. And there are times when I've wanted a very small emergency fund. Uh, By the way, not all of those decisions were necessarily good ones. But uh, it depends on your personal situation. Some key factors include 
the amount of debt you have. If you are highly leveraged and you have a lot of debt, probably having a fuller emergency fund makes sense because if you did have some type of emergency, the servicing of the debt soaks up a lot of expense room each month. So when I am working with somebody and they have a lot of debt, uh, that's usually going to move me towards having a little bit more an emergency fund than maybe otherwise. Also, if you have young children, that's often, again, a sign of maybe having a more robust emergency fund. Another good example is how much income security do you have? An example would be clients of mine are both government, federal government employees. They're in different agencies, but federal government employees, they have very little risk of an income interruption. It could happen. There are other possible emergencies, uh, but that's an example with two incomes that are highly secure that would lend itself to maybe a smaller emergency fund. If you have a large nest egg, lots of investments, college funds, investment accounts, retirement accounts, Roth IRAs, and so on, uh, that lends itself to maybe having a smaller emergency fund because that smaller emergency fund could be the first line of defense, but the other assets um, could be ready if needed as a second line of defense. So those are just some of the factors. There are way more than that. Let me just add before I move on that some people regardless of the numbers and the economics and kind of intellectual view of this, will still want a bigger emergency fund. Just just emotionally, they want to have that safety and security. And that may overseed basic financial planning. And I think that could be accommodated. Within reason, someone says, I need $500,000 in cash for an emergency fund, I'll probably push back. But if somebody wants a little more than six months because that helps them put their head down on the pillow at night, I think that's fine. You often see this in women. I'm stereotyping, but you often see this in women. And many times you also see it with older individuals that are on fixed income and they're not uh, in the saving and accumulating phase of their wealth building, but rather taking income out. So I think those are some examples of the flexibility that's needed as you approach it. Now, why do you need it? We kind of touched on this a little bit, but it's a good idea to have an emergency fund, a ready and liquid cash reserve for unexpected expenses like car repairs, home repairs, medical expenses, a job loss. I referenced that earlier. And I will add, and this is quite important, the presence of an emergency fund, a fully funded emergency fund, helps avoid debt. If you don't have an emergency fund and something unexpected happens, That is often when you're going to grab for debt. Take a personal loan, credit card, borrow against your 401k, all things that are generally not advisable. When you have an emergency fund, that reduces your reliance on using debt as a solution. And I think that's something that is often overlooked in the discussion about emergency funds. I've seen over the course of my career countless examples of people that don't have an emergency fund have something bad happen, then it kind of spirals into a debt problem that might manifest itself quickly or maybe down the line. Because if every time you have a problem, you put it on the credit card and then you never pay off that debt, you could end up after a period of time having a lot of credit card debt and not really sure exactly how you ended up there, but that's where you end up nonetheless. 
people that have emergency funds and are conscious of keeping a funded emergency fund uh, are less likely to incur debt, especially undesirable debt, like very high interest credit cards and 401ks and personal loans. What do you put the emergency fund money in? In previous times, you could put the money in a bank or a CD and get a pretty good interest rate. As we all know, given today's environment, uh, you get very, very little money in uh, banks, money markets, CDs, checking accounts. Uh, So there's not much interest or earnings potential for this emergency fund. So with that in mind, it's best to be viewed as sort of an insurance policy. I have money in the bank. I'm not going to earn much on it. I'll do the best I can, I'm not, but I'm not going to earn much on it. I really need mentally to view it sort of as an, an insurance policy, that if something happens, I have money and I won't have to dip into my investments and I won't have to take on unwanted debt. It's best to look at it like insurance. I think it's also best to keep the emergency fund separate. Oftentimes in working with clients and advising them, if you're saving for a down payment on a house and you want to have an emergency fund, having them in two separate accounts makes sense so that there's a clear line separating what will be used for, in my example, a down payment on a house versus the emergency fund. And it could be not just the purchase of a home, it could be to start a business, could be a vacation fund, a savings account that you're building up to buy a car. The emergency fund should be separate from any of those other accounts. It's just cleaner and psychologically a better way to approach it. Math-wise, there's really no difference in commingling all of those monies together, but I think it's messier uh, and it's much better in my experience, to keep them separate. I think you keep it in the bank, keep it in FDIC insurance. I did an episode uh, on secret savings accounts back in season two of the podcast. It was episode number 50, again, titled Secret Savings Accounts. Basically, the episode talks about, talked about online banks. There are a lot of online banks that pay more than your brick-and-mortar banks that you see on Main Street in your town, in part because they have a different expense structure, because they don't have that real estate and as much staff, and they also don't offer as many services, you end up with a better uh, interest rate. In today's environment, uh, I use, by the way, uh, Marcus, which is by Goldman Sachs, But there are many other online banks. If you Google online banks or listen to the episode I did in season two, um, I give out several names. Uh, I can't think of many of them now, but they're out there. Uh, Recently, in my Marcus account, I was earning 2.1%. But with the uh, change in interest rates relative to the pandemic and this economic difficulty the United States and the world finds itself in, uh, that's drifted down to 1.3%, which is lousy. It's really lousy, unless you compare it to what I would get in my regular bank where I do my uh, business and personal checking. The online banks, they're FDIC insured, so that is a, uh, a good alternative. Uh, as I discussed in that episode, you link your online bank with your checking account, So it's quite easy to move money back and forth from the one account to the other. How do you get an emergency fund? So if you have some wealth and you have some money in the bank, I think it's simply 
you earmark a certain amount of money and put it in that segregated account as I spoke about a moment ago and you call it your emergency fund. Does it say emergency fund on the bank account statement? No, but it's just you and if you have a spouse are in agreement that this money is earmarked as an emergency fund and you're just designated designating it as such. If you don't have the funds to set up the emergency fund, then I would suggest you set up an account with monies you do have and then save into it diligently until you get to a proper emergency fund based on your goals and personal situation. So that's how you would create one. As we wrap up, a word of caution. Going on vacation is not an emergency. There are things that I see people spend their emergency fund on that are really not emergencies. Now, it's their money. It's your money. I have my own money. But I think some diligence and some rigor in terms of what is an emergency and what is not is helpful. If you want to take a vacation, I'm all in favor of it. Live life. Live life fully. But save and plan and pay for it, hopefully with cash or if you use a credit card like we do, um, my wife and I, uh, then you know pay it off as soon as the bill comes. Do not incur interest cost. If you are saving to buy a car or for a down payment, that's great. But I have uh, the belief that if you're going to buy a house, if you have every nickel invested into that house and you don't have any money in reserve, you're setting yourself up for some serious stress and perhaps difficulties because any of us that own a home know that home costs money. And if you don't have an emergency fund, if you don't have anything else to fall back on when you purchase a house, you're making things much more difficult on yourself. Uh, Again, it's your money. You can do what you want with it. But I think you should have some rigor in terms of what is an emergency and what's not. Things that are not, you should find other ways to save and pay for and let the emergency fund be there for exactly that, an emergency. So... I think this was a good discussion. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I hoped you would enjoy it. I'll be back with you on the next episode of the Simply Financial Podcast very soon. In the meanwhile, please go to our website, www.elliotwealth.com. Get more information about me and the team, how we can help you. If you're not a client, sign up for a complimentary consultation. And as always, I ask, Please subscribe to the podcast. That's good for us. If you would do that, I would uh, appreciate it quite a bit. Thanks again and have a great day. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of Sage Point Financial Incorporated and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Please note, the information being provided is strictly as a courtesy. When you link to any of the websites provided here, you are leaving this website. We make no representation as to the completeness or accuracy of the information provided at these websites, nor is the company liable for any direct or indirect technical or system issues or any consequences arising out of your access to your use of third-party technologies websites, information, and programs made available through this website. When you access one of these websites, you are leaving our website and assume total responsibility and risk for your use of the websites you are linking to.
Securities and advisory services are offered through Sage Point Financial Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, insurance services offered through Elliott Wealth Management, LLC, not affiliated with Sage Point Financial.